0: Welcome again to the Unstoppable Freedom Podcast. I'm Jimmy Page. Thanks for joining us again for part two with our special guest, Paul Davis. He's a a Texas attorney and his life was turned upside down on January 6, 2021. But boy, the story from there has gotten really, really exciting. Hey, Paul, thanks for joining us again for part two. Thanks, Jimmy. It's good to be here. You bet. Okay, so we left the first session talking about how you, you came out, you lost your job, you had a number of circumstances that weren't going your way. You felt God specifically saying to you, "Hey, I want you to start your own law firm." And then, of course, you began to build that. And your first clients were in in the area of employment law, specifically related to the vaccine mandates, which is going to get us in trouble, by the way, on this podcast. So there we go. Um,
1: <laughs> but I'm, you, I'm used to getting in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: same here. I know. Join the club. Uh, the good news is you had some success early on. What What were the specific things that um, you were representing clients, what were the specific things that they were facing uh, that you helped them to to not lose their job in many cases?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's just your typical uh, vaccine mandate. Most of the time, uh, you know, the employer would just say, you know, get vaxxed or get fired. And wow. um, so I would help people. Well, it's, you know, it's better. I knew it's better to get a medical accommodation, which Mm. I say a lot of people don't understand like the difference between an accommodation and exemption. They're basically the Mm. same thing. Like when you make a request for an accommodation to the employer, Mm. you kind of have a discussion about what the accommodation is going to be. And in the case of a vaccine mandate, you would be requesting an exemption from the vaccine mandate. So that would be, that's kind of how those two words work together. Um, a lot of Mm. people don't understand that, but, uh, so, you know, I, it's better to get a medical exemption because uh, y- to deny a medical exemption, the employer has to show a substantial burden on their business uh to to, you know, refuse to accommodate you. Mm. But for religious, our wonderful yeah. Supreme Court 30 years ago made up mm. uh, something that's not in the law when they said, oh. well, for a religious accommodation, the employer only has to show a a de minimis burden because, you know, lawyers love to Mm. use Latin or maybe I think that's Latin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so, which means it could be anything at all. You know, any kind of Mm. burden on the employer is sufficient to deny a a religious accommodation, but that it's highly subjective. So that's the problem with these. It's like, that's why, you know, most people are disappointed or shocked to find out that most of these cases, like Mm. $25,000 is, I would say is kind of like, Maybe the upper average of uh, some of these cases, most of these cases, like you look nationwide, like those big settlements that people like, you know, like there was like a $10 million settlement, I think, for a Mm. bunch of healthcare workers in Illinois. Yeah. Well, each of them only got $25,000. And I can tell you from settlement negotiations and mediations, that's that's pretty common. Wow. Um, And the reason for that is because it's, they're very... These cases are, are just very uncertain. Um, mm-hmm. It depends a lot on what judge you get because there's a lot of discretion with that de minimis burden standard.
0: Yeah. Wow. And, you know, I've, I've dealt with people we've kind of coordinated with nurses who lost their job around the mandates. We've dealt with a lot of kids uh, where schools our, our college level was mandating vaccines in order to allow kids back on campus. So we've got yeah. a, a group of people that basically has virtually zero risk from the virus. Is now being mandated to get a medical treatment that you know we can debate. Well, we we know the truth about the medical treatment, and it was limiting their opportunity to have a college experience. It was preventing kids from competing on their college athletic teams, and yeah. you know we were we were helping people submit those religious exemptions. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. Um, but boy, what an egregious time in America where you were being forced. You know, people would say, oh, you're not forced. You can go somewhere else. But essentially, they were forced, right? Forced, coerced, threatened. You're going to lose something if you don't do this, which none of that it has any basis in um, the spirit of America, for sure. And I think we're protected legally as well. But um, has that obviously we're getting some wins in this area now, right? We're we're winning. Mm, yes. A lot of these mandates are going away is that essentially uh are we past that period or is this still part of the american landscape
1: uh it's very much still part of the american landscape i mean Mm -hmm. you know to i think the original question you asked me on the last uh when i was answering was you know what what would i what would we do to get people an exemption so you know you really had for these employers you have to show i mean you got to show a sincerely held religious belief Mm -hmm. a lot of people made the mistake of saying uh, you know, well, it's all about the aborted fetal cells. And I knew that was going to be a bad mm. deal because uh, that just opens up a whole new can of worms because then the employer is going to be like, well, you know, what other do you, here's a whole laundry list of products that were developed using aborted wow. fetal stem cells. Do you use any of these wow. products, you know, and that's wow. just a trap. And then of course I thought, well, at some point, maybe they'll come out with something that isn't you know, developed using aborted fetal stem cells. And then that whole argument goes away. So I just was like, you know, you don't want to put yourself in that situation. Mm. And it was kind of frustrating me because there were like a bunch of lay people around the country saying things like that. And I was like, no, don't listen to that person. (laughs) Like, or they would say, or they would tell the employee, like, you don't have to answer any of their questions. Like it Mm. is your private religious right. And that that sounds right, but that's not true. Like you actually do have to answer some of the like reasonable inquiries from the employer. Um, and so a lot of people got in trouble, uh, for, because they like I had clients come to me and be like, Well, I, I watched... you know, I'm not gonna call anybody out, but yeah. watch this person and um, they told me to do this. And I'm like, No, no, but um, yep. yeah, so I kind of was able to just articulate like the best thing for people mm-hmm. to say if you're getting a religious accommodation is that you know, if you're a Christian or you know, it applies in other faiths as well. I had like some Hindu clients, mm-hmm. um, I think who like I had some Jewish clients, I had some mm-hmm. other, um, just Different kind of face i would never Police. heard of actually, yeah. But uh, very specific yeah. stuff, um, and it, you basically just need to say, "Look, I'm I'm required to treat my body as a temple of the Holy Spirit, and yeah. it's that requires me to do an analysis of whether this is going to be more harmful for my body than good. Like, do the risks outweigh the benefits? Mm. And you know, for Christians, like. They clearly do. So yeah, that's kind of that's the basis for the whole thing. That's great. That's helpful because this
0: is not going away. A lot of college campuses are still requiring the shots or boosters, and this is still affecting people's opportunity. I I remember with my son, my youngest son was graduating from Liberty University, um, a Mm -hmm. great university in America, still believes in America and in faith in Christ in a in a significant way. It's amazing, Um, but he felt like his opportunities coming out of college were limited because. The corporate environments, uh, especially in the sport yep. environment, was also requiring these treatments, and he was unwilling to do that. Obviously, the risks outweighed the benefits for him as well. Um, but thankfully, I think some of that has eased, and I think that a lot of those opportunities are opening up. But I do, like you, I don't think it's going away either. So it's good to know that their attorneys still at the ready to help people fight those yeah, battles. It's-
1: there's definitely a lot of companies that still. I mean, I had yep. a client today who uh, was, you know, she, she her 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 religious accommodation was not granted. She had a mm. medical issue where she had to take leave, and now like six wow. months later, the man, the mandate of her employer is still in place, and it's wow. just you see that all the time. I mean, it's yep. it's like a lot of these companies. Just it's just mm. mind blowing. It's like I know. how much data do you need to see oh. to, to know that. These vaccines right. don't prevent transmission. Like that's not even right. up for debate now. Right. Like that's just it's literally just a propaganda talking point. There is no no yes. data at all to support that. Yes. And if if the vaccines don't prevent transmission, then what legitimate non discriminatory business purpose do you have? Or you know, yes. in the education setting, there's no there's yes. no legitimate purpose to it.
0: Yes. It's, and it's I do tyranny. believe exactly. And I do believe it has more to do with the bigger end game, which is to say that government has control over your health and medical decisions. And that yep. is a hill that
1: a lot of people are willing to die on. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I could I could go to some more darker purposes, but I don't want to get you banned on yeah. any platforms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. Thank you. Appreciate that. We'll
0: have to edit that out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I understand that. Well, listen, you you know, like me, you believe that America has a, a special destiny. You know, I've heard you talk about it, you know, that um, that even in our founding, our founding documents, the writings, the words of our founders made America something special. And it was intertwined with a faith and with a deep-seated belief that our rights are given by God and the government's job is to protect those rights. And that's pretty much their job. Um, Tell us about why you think America has a special destiny.
1: Well... I actually, you know, it's funny. I gave a speech on this very topic on uh, Tuesday night. I, I didn't even know what I was going to speak about. I just, sometimes I just like, I like wrote my speech like an hour beforehand. I'm like, I'm going to talk about America's destiny and how communism yeah. is co-opted. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, like for me, what sticks out is in, it was 1607, Reverend Robert Hunt brought some of the first settlers to the shores they landed at uh, what's now Virginia beach and Mm. erected a wooden cross and prayed a prayer that dedicated the land uh, of this continent to God. And then from there, you know, you had all the colonies come and, and, and we had our, our declaration of independence Mm. that recognized that it was really the first government in the history of the world that officially recognized your rights come from God and the government's job is to protect those rights. Mm. And we do that by, uh, a Republican form of government that governs by the consent of the government, you know, in the words of yeah. Abraham Lincoln by the people for the people or other people by the people and for the people. Yes. And so, you know, America was revolutionary in that aspect mm. um, compared to all other nations in the world. Yeah. And so, you know, while we haven't always obviously lived up to yeah. the the standards that we set for ourselves, I mean, that's pretty common just in human nature. Yeah. You know, you set high goals for yourself And you try to live up to those things as best as you can, but, you know, we all fall short. That's why we need God's grace. And uh, it's, you know, obviously America had a dark period with slavery, but that didn't really make us any different than most other countries in the world. I mean, almost every civilization had slavery at some point and most were, you know, many cultures still, still had slavery when America fought a civil war to end slavery. Yes. Um, And so that concept's really lost on a lot of people. Um, that America is somehow unique in that aspect and we're just not, you know, there's nothing that makes us especially evil. In fact, it's quite the opposite because we took it upon ourselves to fight a pretty bloody war to end the evil of slavery. Yes. So, um, you know, but that's now been used by the Marxists to foster division in our country and to sow, um. You know, really to destabilize our country, destroy the family, destroy our education system. Yeah, Uh, just using that, you know, white guilt basically for for slavery to pit us against each other.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. You know, and I I think in terms of you know even today there's more slavery today than there than at any other point in world history. Over 45 million, it's estimated, are in slavery. The countries that are leading the way, of course, are countries like. China big surprise there and they enslave yep. people based on their religious beliefs which is very interesting what's happening now in America we talk about Iran we talk about um North Korea of course then you talk about the continent of Africa now that's an interesting one yeah so there's more slavery now than there ever has been in the history of the of the planet and and America abolished it at the expense of 500,000 lives to fight that mm-hmm. the bloodiest war And we've gotten rid of that scourge on society and now we've got this this equal opportunity environment and i love it but of course all of this is being contested as you said by the marxists right the marxists are at the root of progressivism and i call it the progressive plague you know it's like a it's a nasty virus that you that just seems to be spreading like a cancer Um, marxism is atheistic anti-family anti-america and anti-individual rights in fact in, in essence, they stand against everything that a Bible-believing Christian would believe in and an American would believe in. Tell me this, how, from your seat, you're an attorney, how has this Marxist plague in our justice system, how has it infected the courts, our justice system, from the from the police to prosecution to bail and sentencing?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a complicated question, but you see, you just see it. I it's pervasive in every aspect of society and yeah. the court system is no different because, mm. I mean, I'm sure you know what happened is the, in the, you know, I mean, Karl Marx published the Communist Manifesto in 1848. Yeah. And communism came to America shores sometime in the early 20th century. And, and they started sending our college professors to the Frankfurt School in yeah. Germany to be. Basically indoctrinated with critical theory, what they called it back then. Yep. And then, you know, the problem yep. for the Communist Party of America and just the other, you know, socialist movements here was that Americans didn't really, you know, weren't really buying socialism. Mm. But what they had to do is make it about, cause, because it wasn't, you know, originally Karl Marx's theory was that it was all about class warfare class. based on like economic class, you know, yes. like the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie. But In America, people were like, well, that doesn't make sense because, like, the working class actually has it pretty good. You know, we can pay our families, and if we work hard enough and we innovate, we can actually become capital. You know, we can become that bourgeoisie. We can become the business owner, the entrepreneur. And then, Mm -hmm. so what they had to do was make it about race, you know? And so that's how they separated us was, well, your class is based on your race. And that just really took root, and then that that metastasized mm-hmm. into now like your sexual identity and all that all yes. that stuff. And so it's just you know we had several generations now of college kids going to these liberal yeah. schools and having their heads their you know soft skulls full of <laughs> filled with Marxist mush, and yeah. um and then they take that into whatever, wherever they go into society. So you have judges, lawyers, um mm-hmm. you know prosecutors. I mean all, all across yeah. the board that have been indoctrinated into this way of thinking and it, yeah. it does affect their decisions, you know, yeah. I and mean, that's just the reality of the situation. It's anti-American. And I, think,
0: I think the left leftists, I, I don't even call it, They're not liberals, Yeah like, man, I would welcome I a leftists, liberal. Yeah. I'd welcome a liberal into the conversation because they actually, they actually are clear thinkers. Generally speaking, we're talking about a total radical leftist ideology. And you know, that George yeah. Soros and others are at the root of funding all of these people to get elected and get in these positions as attorney generals and all these other things. And the problem with this of course is then we have the bail reform so you can have a violent um, ar- you could be arrested for a violent crime and because of the social justice nonsense you can be set free that afternoon without bail in in New York the state of New York New York City you can be you can be let out that same day to go reoffend it's insane I think about that and how that has infected our court system and then I think about Texas. We've got a guy who's defending his personal property. He uh, kills a trespasser who was threatening him on his property. And he had, a, I think it was a $100,000 bail or some outrageous amount of money for bail. And I think about that. That dichotomy shows you that now people are not treated the same under the law. And I think it's because of this Marxist infection in our legal system. Is that, is that what you see? Yeah.
1: I think that's accurate. I mean, it's the same model that they used uh, to take over Venezuela, uh, okay. and it's called anar- anarcho-fascism. Oh. Uh, they, you know, it's where, where the idea where the criminals are like exalted in society, and the the law-abiding citizens become the criminals. So if you you know defend yourself, if you defend your property, you're the criminal. And yeah. the idea in Marxism is that well, you know, you, you, that's not really yours to defend, you know, in the yes. words of Barack Obama, you didn't build that. right? Uh, and so right. this is, it's, it's just collectivism, which is, mm. you know, a, a Marxist uh, philosophy and it's just, yeah. you know, we're all part of this great collective. Nobody has any in, individual rights or ownership. Mm. And so how dare you, you know, defend your own life or your property? Yeah. You know, you're yeah. the criminal. These, this person that attacked you, they, they had a rough childhood and they were, right. you know, the wrong, yeah, they, they're not this like privileged white person. They didn't have white privilege. So therefore they have the right to break the law and assault yeah. you, you know, and take yeah. your property. And that's just, 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 yeah, it, it has infected all of our, uh, you know, all aspects of our legal system and especially in jurisdictions where uh, George Soros funded DAs are, are elected. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's outrageous. <clears throat> well, one of the things that, uh, man, I totally agree. And it does concern me, of
0: course, because, you know, without law and order without consequences for criminal behavior it's going to create chaos and that is exactly what marxism does marxism yep. wants chaos so that the that's government the then can yep. come in and and steal a, our constitutional rights so um that's one of the exact concept. Things that yep. i love about you is that you you've gone toe to toe with facebook okay so this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now this again we're out on a limb here a little bit but this makes me really really happy because i've experienced the censorship you have experienced the censorship, the silencing, the shadow banning, insert the thing. Um, tell us about about that fight and tell us mm-hmm. about where, where that sits right now. Are you winning? Have you yeah.
1: won? I think we're winning. Um, yeah, it remains to be seen because we haven't gotten any rulings from the court, but okay. I, you know, I mean, I'm a little bit biased, but I think that my briefing is is better than theirs, <laughs> <laughs> despite the fact that they have 23 attorneys on one. It's like me, literally like 23 on one. Unbelievable. Um, this is so, David and Goliath.
0: Paul, this is David and Goliath.
1: Let's go. Yeah, that it is. It really is. So uh, yeah, it all started when... So Texas passed a law against censorship in December of 2021. Mm-hmm. Then in February 2021, I noticed that... Chad Prather, who is running for governor down here. He's a Blaze TV host and a pretty popular entertainer Mm. with, you know, he had like, I think 5 million followers on Facebook at the time. Got his, I mean, they shut down his Facebook account uh, a week before the election. And I just, I was like, well, that isn't right. And then Mm. uh, I actually kind of thought, I kind of thought Craig Abbott might have been a little bit behind it because, um, mm. you know, I mean, he was running against they're running against each other. And it's not like Chad really had a realistic chance, but right. um, at least he was calling Abbott out for, you know, his failings in failing conservatives in Texas. But, you know, I thought I thought it was shady because mm. I knew that Abbott had been talking with like it had recently been disclosed that Abbott. Uh, was bringing a Facebook facility to Texas and was trying to create more jobs like working with facebook so wow, um wow, I kind of figured well they don't facebook doesn't like Chad calling Abbott out, so maybe that's why they restrict him i don't know that's all conjecture, but you Amazing. know it's not based on nothing Mm-mm. so uh yeah. we've but so I looked at this law and and uh I got in touch with his campaign. I had known Chad personally, I knew his campaign manager personally, and mm-hmm. so uh, they were like, yeah, by all means. So I, on a Thursday before the election, I, I filed the lawsuit and we were in court against Facebook the next day in a Amazing. temporary restraining order hearing. And we got, we got a TRO and they were forced to lift the restrictions and that felt pretty good. Wow! And, uh, then we, we ended up losing the case after that. Chad didn't want to appeal it. Mm. What happened was, uh, Facebook has a forum selection clause you have to sign or, you know, when you acknowledge the user terms mm. that says you can only sue them in California, and the Texas law is a little bit unclear on that point. Like there's a mm. provision that seems to indicate that that sort of thing wouldn't be enforceable, but it's not as explicit as I would like it to be. Uh, um, so it leaves, it leaves room for for Facebook to argue that you can't sue them in Texas. You have to sue them in California, mm. um, which I, I would say, you know, there's no way the intent of the legislature was for... Texas anti-censorship cases to be litigated in In San Francisco, California. That's just, that would, that would effectively gut the law. Like it would have no, you're not going to win a case in San Francisco. Exactly. Um, and so Chad didn't want to appeal that issue. So we just let it go. And then I got shadow banned pretty bad. Well, I got kicked off TikTok, um, Mm -hmm. sometime in like June, I think I had like 170,000 followers. I think I got kicked off because I was telling people how to fight back against vaccine (laughs) mandates. And of course you can't have that. And then I'm sure they didn't like that, you know, video of me serving the school board uh, with a, you know, president with a, <laughs> with a lawsuit either, <laughs> like, but this guy's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So, I mean, that was, it was just, it's a really horrible feeling yeah. to lose that many followers. Cause you're used to like, you know, it's like I work hard to create content that helps people. And yes. it just, it's a great feeling to get your voice out there. And then when you just, you get deplatformed, it's a horrible feeling. And so, yes. That happened, and then Instagram started shadow banning me, and so I just had enough. And then, uh, then Texas Nationalist Movement, which is a group that is advocating because our federal government has gotten so oppressive, they're advocating to put a referendum on the ballot for Texans to be able to vote as to whether we want to even remain uh, to be part of the United States or become our own independent wow. nation again. Wow! And apparently, that's going to be uh, proposed in this legislative session. So we'll see how that vote goes. But um, amazing, you know, amazing. a poll came out this summer that. 66% of Texans who are likely voters would vote in favor of withdrawing from the United States. So it's what not. Percentage? It's not uh, 66% oh of those uh, of likely voters polled. Yeah. That's amazing. I can't remember who did the poll. I'll
0: have to look does, it up. But, do, um, does that surprise mm-hmm. you even a little bit, though? I mean, that's. Uh, no. That's kind of. I
1: mean, of, I would think.
0: Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, what we kind of think of Texas as you all think you're your own country anyway. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's just a formality yeah, yeah. at this point.
1: That is the attitude down here. I mean, the yeah. way Texit, you know, we call it text it, uh, you know, kind of like Brexit. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, that's insane. I mean, uh, you know, that's going to cause a war and stuff. It's like, well, I mean, it didn't cause a war when Great Britain or that when the UK withdrew from the, the EU, it, we would envision a similar process. Like, I just don't think mm. if that were to happen, I don't think the United States, like the federal government would have the stomach to come invade Texas with everything else they got going on. And I don't Jeez. think it would be looked very kindly upon on the, on the world stage either. Yeah. So we would probably end up just negotiating treaties, but anyway, yeah. Facebook, uh, you know, views, Texit as, you know, a bunch of, I don't know. They Crazy think, people. they think they're a bunch of criminals. Of course. I would count myself in the movement too. So they think we're a bunch of criminals. So yeah. they were censoring Texit from being able to share their link. And so they mm-hmm. called me because they knew about the Chad Prather suit. And so we sued them and it's a class action. And wow. then I filed my personal lawsuit, uh, two separate courts. Uh, one's up in Collin County. Well, one's up in Sherman, Texas in federal court. Mm. Uh, we filed them both in state court. So like one in yeah. Jefferson County, which is Beaumont area, East mm. Texas. And then my area, which is North Texas. Both of those wow. cases uh, were removed, like Facebook removed them to federal court. Um, and that's that's what we're fighting about right now. We're okay. fighting about venue. Okay. So, you know, you have to argue. Like we, we, we just think that, This is a Texas law. There's no issue of federal Mm -hmm. law. It shouldn't be in federal court. Yeah. And so that's one fight. And then we're trying to uh, say that the forum selection clause should not be enforced as a matter of public policy. So that's what the fight is now. And then, um, wow. You know, Facebook's trying to also assert a Section 230 defense, which is pretty interesting. I could talk about that if you want. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to go on too long.
0: Well, yeah. Of course. And you know, the other thing I was thinking too, you know, what I'm encouraged by is the fact that all this. I call it the Twitter truth. The Twitter truth Mm. is coming out. And now with the congressional hearings revealing all kinds of disgusting, immoral, unconstitutional behavior. Mm. I mean, it it is explosive. Like in any other climate, this would be front page news. There is no such thing. But this would be on every single, it'd be the headline. But of course, because we have this coordinated effort to suppress this type of thing, nobody's hearing about it. But some of us yep. are hearing about it. Do you feel like the Twitter truth that stuff? First of all, that has to, in some way, that has to be resolved uh, favorably for for freedom. It has to be. Uh, do you think that will have a ripple effect with the other platforms?
1: I certainly hope so. I think that I think that Meta platforms is you know, which is Facebook and Instagram. I think that they're very worried about this right now, um, and you can tell they're very worried because. Uh, I don't think they took me seriously at first. You know, they probably thought I was like the right. crazy insurrectionist attorney when I filed this case. And uh, like I'm talking about my personal case. So they only had like, you know, it's like I sued both TikTok and Meta platforms at the same time. Same case. Wow. And at first there were maybe like two or three attorneys in the case and they filed something and then I filed something and then they filed. And the more filings that go, the more they uh-huh. can see that I'm actually a pretty good lawyer and know what yeah. I'm talking about. And um, yes. the laws i would say very heavily on our side um Mm. and so now they keep just adding more and more attorneys i actually trolled the uh tiktok attorney he's pretty nice all all of them are actually pretty nice like we beat each other up in the the you know filings but when we got on the phone or something it's you know it's like oh hey how's it going you know how's the weather (laughs) um but uh I, i i emailed the tiktok attorney i was like how many attorneys do y'all need to take down the little old me? And uh he said, he replies like, Well, this guy we added, he he's the real, the really, really smart one. And so I said, I said, Well, you know, it's apparent to me y'all y'all need somebody that's smart based on what I've seen because your your arguments are basically garbage. This um, is so much fun.
0: You know, this is so much fun to hear the banter behind the scenes.
1: Oh, it actually, it, This the cases, I mean, they've been a lot of work and they've been very stressful, mm. but they're actually, I have a lot of fun writing the briefs because because uh, their arguments are so bad and so disingenuous. Yeah. Like just to give an example, like this was, mm. I mean, there's several kind of funny things that they've tried to argue that I just totally blew out of the water mm. in you know a comical fashion. Like for instance, uh, okay. So they, my favorite is they argued that Texas does not have general personal jurisdiction over meta platforms, which means you have to have To have general personal jurisdiction, like to see like an out of state defendant, they have to have such uh, the legal like in their brief, they Mm -hmm. said the court or the defendant has to have such systematic Mm -hmm. and continuous contacts with the forum state that the defendant is is essentially at home in the forum state. That's the standard. That's literally like what the Supreme Court said. So they quote that line. And then I thought I read that. I was like, wait, don't they have like a data center in Fort Worth? I looked it up. on their website for the data center no kidding it says meta platforms is proud to call Over. fort worth texas home and <laughs> Fantastic. and then they go they go on and on about everything they're doing in texas oh I'm like gosh. they pretty basically made my case for me so that was one kind of funny thing and then this well, was gotta, actually listen, you really you
0: better screenshot it because that can be taken down i mean you got to oh know. i did oh yeah, yeah.
1: no I, 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 I know that i pdf'd it and everything <laughs> yep. so they're that's that's not they're not going to be able to get around that um And then they, so this was a really interesting thing that they tried to argue. So there's something called, you know, probably most people are familiar with something Mm -hmm. called the Commerce Clause. This is where Mm -hmm. it's actually been very abused. I could give a whole history lesson on the Mm -hmm. Commerce Clause, but it's this clause in the Constitution that, you know, Congress has the authority to regulate interstate commerce. Oh, yeah. And um, it, it, I'm trying not to go down a rabbit trail. (laughs) Focus. Um, So... There's a concept called the Dormant Commerce Clause where hmm. states, if like a state makes a law that affects commerce in another state, like that affects hmm. interstate commerce, that's unconstitutional. So they try to argue, well, Texas's law is trying to regulate a California company and, oh. you know, it, it's it's interfering with interstate commerce. And I'm like reading all their argument and I'm like, you know, I haven't looked at the, inter, the Dormant Commerce Clause since law school. But I, my first thought was, well, wait a minute how is, how is speech commerce, Mm. you know, they go on and on and on. And I'm just like, they don't really address that. And so I was like, and I also thought this was really interesting to me. Mm. So Mm. prior to my litigation, all the, all the industry, uh, representation, like, uh, it's called net choice. They represent like Mm. all like meta platforms and Twitter Mm. and YouTube. They sued Ken Paxton, our attorney general to prevent enforcement of this law. And that is actually about to go up to the Supreme court. Wow. But None of the attorneys in that net choice case tried to argue that the Texas law violated the dormant commerce clause. Huh. And I thought, well, that's interesting because that's a bunch of really smart, high-profile attorneys and none of them thought to make this argument. Mm. And then I thought, well, I know why they're not trying to make it because now now that Meta has made this argument, they have to tell the court, how is a law censoring free speech Mm. Or protecting, you know, preventing censorship of free speech, a burden on commerce. Commerce, Wow. Um, What, in other words, Facebook's going to have to show some commercial purpose for their censorship. And so I basically, I was like, they're going to like, how how are they going to answer that question? Like what legitimate business purpose does censoring somebody's political viewpoint Mm. have? Yeah. And that'll be very interesting to see how they answer that question. Yeah. So they're
0: probably not going to be able to. So that's good news. You know, and, and yeah. I was also thinking, you know, to make this super practical for our listeners, because what I love what you've laid out is you're you're lo- you're laying out things that people are experiencing and they're seeing these things. Mm-hmm. Millions of Americans are afraid to speak up. Right. This chilling effect yeah. on free speech because they've seen what happens to others. They've seen people lose their jobs. They've seen the woke mob attack them. They've seen people be doxed mm-hmm. like you. There are threats. How can you encourage everyday Americans to engage courageously? I mean, you know, I keep talking about we're living in the days, the days of Daniel. We're living in the days where courage might cost you something, but we still have to be courageous. What legal protections do they have? How would you encourage people to engage in this fight for free speech in particular?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think the first part (laughs) would be being confident. And what your rights are. Um, mm. which I'm trying to I actually um, you know, one problem that we have is that there just are not enough conservative attorneys to go around. So mm, yeah. I get I mean i have to turn down tons of tons of work all the time because i don't i don't have the capacity to do it um or people don't have the funds to pay which is a just a sad reality yeah and so i'm trying to do something that i'm calling class action patriots where it's going to be like an online community where people can go just to Mm. learn about their rights like what are where is the line as far as free speech goes yeah because like you know as an attorney, I didn't even, I was surprised to learn actually, you know, in the last segment, um, you know, mm. in the first half, we talked about yeah. my lawsuit against the school board. Yeah. You know, I didn't even know it is legal under Supreme Court precedent mm. for a school board like that to ban science, people from bringing in science, um, to ban people from like speaking, like they can, they can pretty much impose almost whatever restriction they want. On people, they can't like totally keep people from talking, but they like like McKinney, uh, mm-hmm. ISD said you can only talk for one minute in public comment, and that's legal. Um, and most people don't know that mm-hmm. um it shouldn't be legal, but that's yeah. what our Supreme Court has said. Yeah. So, oh, and that's one I of think the areas. Just,
0: So, I love this idea. So, what did you call it? The this kind of forum that you're oh, going to create, cl-
1: class action patriots. I love yeah. this
0: because then you can put the things I think that I'm hearing the most from people are the medical mandates that are negatively affecting their kids, their opportunities, their jobs. They're definitely talking about education, you know, this idea that the government is superseding parental rights and they're fed up. I mean, they're done with that nonsense. What can parents do to protect their kids? And then, you know, I think those are the two really big ones that people are addressing. If you had that type, that forum, they kind of talked about the laws and what were some things that they could do. That'd be amazing.
1: Yeah, no, that's, and I, I, you know, I I just, I've learned so much just from my own, you know, these lawsuits that I've brought, I've learned so much about the First Amendment and what you can and can't do. i learned a lot from my January 6th experience because some federal judge tried to get me disbarred and uh, I had to write a whole defense as to why, you know, my actions on January 6th were legal. So I learned a lot about, a lot about that. Um, And so, you know, I think I, I would say... Just, yeah, just knowing like where the line is, like what you can and can't Mm -hmm. do, because a lot of people get in a situation where they're confronted by the police and all of a sudden they're just like, well, I don't know what my rights are, you know, right in this situation. So I think that's, that's the first thing is just being aware, but you have to also understand that we are, we are living under a tyrannical government right now and they are not following the constitution and they don't seem to have any qualms about that. So you need to be prepared to you know, you're, you, if you're going to take a stand, like you are going to be persecuted. Yeah. And I mean, Jesus guaranteed that we would be persecuted yeah. in the Bible. And it's, it's scary to think about, but yeah. I mean, I just, I I just think, you know, like the Bible says that God will give you, um, you know, paraphrasing, but you know, all yeah. some, what the part where he's like, you know, uh, all grace will abound to you for every, yeah. every circumstance, you know, I mean, there's that, yeah. that theme is repeated throughout the Bible that God will give yeah. you grace when you need it um and so i just think well you know i myself am probably not the most courageous person but i know that god will give me the courage that i need in that situation so Mm -hmm. i think you know two things i would say is just like Mm -hmm. learning what your rights are being confident about that and then getting right with god and having the confidence Mm -hmm. that comes from knowing that whatever happens to you like god is going to make it right and my you know my personal story is a is evidence of that it's like i mean my whole life was essentially destroyed. And, uh, I, I was, it was very hard for me to, to move on. And it was just, you know, it was just my faith in God, knowing that yeah. he has a plan. And mm-hmm. like, if you're not dead, your story is not over and yes. God is going to do something with your life, you know? And, yes. and if nothing else, you know, mm-hmm. we have the confidence that we're going to spend eternity with Jesus yes. and there could yes. be nothing better than that. So we, we yes. should not fear death, you know? And, um, You know what's what's the worst that can happen because it's like compared to spending eternity in heaven like it's really not whatever you're going to have to go through is really not going to be that bad compared to that
0: yes that's right well that that's a great way hey thanks for encouraging us at the end here i think it is important to say you've been through a lot but god has been faithful and he's turned that that really challenging time into an opportunity to bless a lot of people so paul super thankful for you thankful for our our new friendship (laughs) thankful for that we're on the same side of this fight for liberty man i really appreciate you
1: absolutely absolutely thank you so much for having me on yeah i really appreciate it